Thanks for tuning in to the Glenridge Church message. It's great to have you with us. Our mission is to love God, love people, and live to change the world. If we can help you in any way, feel free to reach out to us on hello at glenridge.org.za. In many ways, we if you have Christ, if you're in Christ, you're already in the promised land. But I think there's a process prophetically where God every now and again stirs us to say, no, there's more. There's more. And he takes us back to these old books like Joshua and says, listen, let's look at what they did to get to more. How do you get more? How do you walk into more? And this morning is a really key, key moment in that journey of walking into more of what God has for us. Chapter 3. Early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim. There's that word again. I know it's exciting. I know I shouldn't be saying these things, but actually I can't help myself. And there's that word, and it says they went on to Jordan where they were camped before crossing over. Shittim is not a place you're meant to stay at. It's a place you're meant to move from. Don't get comfortable in that place. Do I have to remind you of that every week? Don't get comfortable there. Anyway, it's the second time in the, in the first three chapters of Joshua that we, we see that, that place. It actually means... Uh, what does it mean? It means acacia grove, acacia trees. And so what happens is we can get caught up in the acacias, in the shade of the acacias at the expense of the milk and honey that's waiting for us on the other side of the Jordan. And what he does here, he says, uh, after three days, the officers went through the camp giving orders to the people. When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priests who are Levites carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go, since you have never been this way before. But keep a distance of 900 meters between you and the ark, and do not go near it. Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow. The Lord will do amazing things among you. Joshua said to the priests, take up the ark of the covenant and pass on ahead of the people. So they took it up and went ahead of them. And the Lord said to Joshua, today I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of all Israel, so that you may know that I am with you as I was with Moses. Tell the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant, when you reach the Jordan's waters, go and stand in the river. Remember, they don't know what's going to happen. All they know is they're meant to be on that side of the river, but there's a flooding river over in front of them. They don't know what God's going to do yet. We know what God's going to do because we've got hindsight. But they, in that first world, they did not know what God was going to do. They didn't know how this was going to happen. They were just going blindly, listening to what God was saying. Joshua said to the Israelites, come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. This is how you will know that the, the living God is among you, and that he will certainly drive out before you the Canaanites, Hittites, Hivites, Perizzites, Girgashites, Amorites, and Jebusites. See, the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God will go out ahead of you in the Jordan. Now then choose 12 men from the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe. And as soon as the priests who carry the Ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, set foot in the Jordan, its water flowing downstream will be cut off and stand up in a heap. And now they've just been told this is what God's going to do. Up until this stage, they didn't have a clue what was going to happen here. So when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. Now the Jordan is in flood during far in harvest. The Jordan is in flood during harvest. 
Yet as soon as all the priests who carried the ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away in a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zerathan. While the water flowing down to the sea of Arabah, the salt sea, the dead sea, which some of you will know it as, was completely cut off. So the people crossed over opposite Jericho. The priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the middle of the Jordan while all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completely crossed on dry ground. A little bit later on, in verse 4, he tells them in chapter 4, he tells them to choose 12 men. And he tells these 12 men to go and choose 12 stones from around where the priests are standing. And when you say stones, it's not like a pebble because it says, it says there, it says you to put them on your shoulder, carried them on their shoulders. So there were big rocks that they picked up from the middle of this flowing river where the priests were standing. And he says to them, what I want you to do is I want you to take those rocks and I want you to carry them to the other side because they're going to be a memorial of what God has done with you today. And in this text, we see an incredible, incredible miracle of God moment of God where somehow something changes in the faith and the, the perception and the ideas and the minds and the hearts of this people group that had been wandering around the desert for 40 years. And uh, it's absolutely phenomenal. The first thing that we see here is that they were in an accelerated learning process. So much of what they're going through now in a short space of time took the first Israelites coming out of Egypt over a long period of time. And so God's got them on, a, on an accelerated process of learning to catch up the years that the locusts, that the wilderness has stolen from them. And I want to say to us in this season, God is going to accelerate His processes in our lives. It's not going to take years and years. It's going to take months. And God, if God wants us to step into this faith journey, step out of fear, into the feasting so that we can live in faith, so that we can begin, so that we can begin to move in an accelerated process of growth and into what He has for us. There are suddenness of God coming on us as a community and as a people. What we think would never have happened over such a uh, short period of time, God is going to do it quickly. There are moments of acceleration coming into our lives right now. And you see that with them. There's this accelerated process of God teaching them the things that they need so that they've prepared for the, the land that they're about to walk into. And what's incredible about this picture is it really is a picture about Jesus. It's a picture about Jesus. You know that this, 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 this place that they crossed over, they say is the place that Jesus was baptized. It was the place that Jesus was baptized by John the baptizer. You see, it's very symbolic, this process that God has got in us, for us, in this, in this story. And it says there, it says that as soon as the priests, who is our great high priest? Jesus. Who is our Joshua? Jesus. You see, Jesus is all of this combined into one person, into one God-man that we put our faith in and trust for him to do what we can't do. And so this, this, this Jesus uh, top, this, this picture of the priest going and standing in the middle of the Jordan was a picture of Jesus going into the Jordan. 
And it says there, as their feet touched the water. Now listen, it's easy to read this and think, yeah, but these guys are special. Imagine if this is you. Imagine if this is you. First of all, up until now, you have not known any idea what's going to happen. How are we going to get across here? What, I know God's got this, but what is it? How is it going to happen? And then he says to them, I want you as now the priest. Imagine you the priest carrying the ark on your shoulders. And he says, by the way, I want you to go stand in the middle of the flooding river. Now, no, you can imagine there must have been, Josh, are you sure? Are you sure, bro? I mean, this is like flooding. We're going to end up in the Dead Sea. And actually what, he's, and, and what it says is it says, as their feet came to the edge of the water, the waters backed up all the way to Adam, a town Adam, which was about nearly 28, 30 k's away. It's an amazing thing, friends. If we try to cross this river in our own strength and not in Christ, what happens is we get washed into the Dead Sea. This was the same river that, that the Jordan that flowed into the Dead Sea where nothing lives. See, if we try to cross this river by just getting across it, by just swimming across it, by just getting there in our own strength, we are finished. We washed away into the Dead Sea. But actually under the instruction of God, when we're in Christ the priest, when we're in Christ the Joshua, actually he says to us, just go and do this. Their feet step into the water and it backs up all the way to Adam. It's absolutely significant that it backs up all the way to Adam. Because Jesus deals with our sin all the way back to Adam. Everything that Adam didn't do right gets restored in Christ so that his people can cross over. And we get to enjoy that, friends, because Jesus, the high priest, when he got baptized into the river, it didn't dry up, but he died in the river as though he was washed to the Dead Sea on our behalf so that we wouldn't be washed to the Dead Sea and instead be risen up to resurrection life. And this is the absolute wonder of this story because you see, friends, to get into what we have, it's all in Jesus. It's all in Christ. And God will back up everything, friends, every part of our lives. Every person that was born since Adam gets washed clean by the blood of Jesus. All the way back to Adam gets sorted out by this miraculous worker, Jesus. This miraculous God-man, Jesus, that we so love and put our faith in. And so what we see here is this incredible picture of Jesus Actually, it's a picture of Jesus. We can't cross it in our own strength. What's also significant, friends, is that it says that once they crossed the river, as it, it says as their feet approached, the, as they put their feet in the water, it backed up. And then it says in chapter 4, it says, and as they, once they've crossed over, everybody's crossed over, it says, and as the priests put their feet on dry ground on the other side of the river, the river came back into flood. And this is an, a very amazing thing, friends, because once you've put your faith in Christ and you've crossed over on dry ground, it's dry ground, it's not muddy ground. You don't take the mud of your past with you into, the, into this walk with God. You don't carry dirtiness with you into this walk with God. It's complete, it's absolutely full. He's fully paid the price all the way back to Adam for every single person, for every single person's sin, for your sin that you haven't even committed yet, he's paid the price for. You, there's no mud on you when you go into the promised, of, promised land. It's perfectly on dry ground. And it says as soon as they put their feet on the other side, it came back into flood again. 
You know what happens now, friends? It's actually a blessing that he puts it back into flood again because it means we can't go back. There's no going back once you've gone forward into the promised land. And what God does is he says, actually, what we're going to do is I'm going to take you there. If you try to go back, you're going back down. Don't go back. Go forward. And so these, this, this, this nation steps forward into what God has for them with this flooding river that gets backed all the way to Adam. They get, it's like this, clean, this, this, this moment, this, this typology of Jesus cleansing and dealing with our sin in an absolutely powerful and profound way. With no mud, no looking back. One of the amazing things about this text as well is that it says that you've got to pick up the stones so that you remember. I think somebody picked up on this this morning about remembering. You know, friends, remembering is a very key part of our walk with God. Because in tough times, our, our memories get short. And actually what he wants is he wants a physical representation to depict what God has done for them. And he says, you must go and put these, these stones, and, they, and, he, and they, pulled, they put the stones in this place called Gilgal. Gilgal is this place, it's, Gilgal means rolled away. It's like they rolled away the reproach of God against Israel. They were guilt-free. They, ro- they rolled away their guilt. They rolled away their shame. They rolled away their sin. They made them mud, mudless. And he says, I'm going to put you in this place called Gilgal because I'm going to make you clean. I want you to be, understand that actually I'm for you, I'm with you, I'm going to take you into what you have. I've got for you. And he, and he says, and I built this pile of stones. And he says, when your children ask you, what do these stones represent? Tell them these were the stones that were in the middle of a flooding river. And God crossed us. God, God helped us get across and God moved us into what he has for us. And we're never going to forget that. You know, friends, one of, the, one of the amazing, memorable moments in our lives that can never be robbed from us is our baptism. We, did, we, did, we baptized three people on Thursday night. And one of the things I said to them, I said, you know what? Often what can happen is in our walk with God, or we can get distant from God, and we, we can actually somehow just lose the plot a little, and we can kind of then start to think, well, does God love me, and where is God, and what is, he, is He for me, is He against me, all those sorts of things. And the, you can kind of, your mind can do tricks, and the devil can play tricks with you, but the devil cannot rob you of your baptism. Because that was a physical memorial stone that you put in place that you can always go back, but you can only go back as far as your baptism. It's in that place that I died to Christ. I put my faith in Jesus. I died with him like Jesus in that, in that Jordan River. And actually, I rose again, and I'm full of resurrection life, devil. I just want to let you know I'm full of resurrection life. And this is the, this is the power of, of remembering. Friends, are we remembering the things that God has done for us? When we were absolutely in the corner and we didn't know which way to go and God came through for us, have we got it written down? Have we got something symbolic in our lounges, on our coffee tables or in in a special place that is actually physical that when you look at it, you can remember God has been good to me. And this is the principle that he teaches them here. He teaches them. He teaches them. He says to them, I want you to remember. And I don't want you just to remember. I want your grandchildren to remember. Because, friends, the way we're going to teach our grandchildren is to tell them the stories of how God came through for us. How's your memory this morning? How's your memory this morning? Are you remembering the good things that God has done? 
Have you got some stones that you can hold on to? Have you got some rocks that you can hold on to and say, this rock, this stone, represents the power of God in my life? Friends, I want to encourage every single one of us to, to, to build a library, to build a storehouse, I don't know what other word to use, of memorabilia of the power of God in our lives. Some of us were in the gutter, friends, had no hope, absolutely no hope, and Jesus restored us to life. Some of us never, ever thought we'd get married. Some of us never thought we'd be alive long enough to get married. Some of us never thought we were able to have kids. Some of us, friends, have had the power of God so profoundly in our lives, providing in supernatural ways, in business, where you had absolutely no work, but yet God came through. And now you're in another season of drought, another season of tough, tough times. Are we going to go back to the memory and say, God, you did it then. I'm trusting you now. You're the same God then as you are now. Friends, I want to encourage us to remember, write this stuff down. Get something symbolic, physical. Because you know what the prophetic words? We forget that we even have them and we don't even know where they're stored. But get a rock or something. Can't lose the rock. Absolutely profound. We also see there, in this chapter, the word ark gets mentioned 10 times. The ark of the covenant, the ark was the presence of God. Was, it was God amongst his people. And he says to them, he says this to me, it's to them, he says, listen to me now, I want you to follow the ark. Some people say that there were, there were two banks. There was a high place, there were kind of two banks of the river, and there was a high sort of area that 900 meters away, nearly a kilometer away, if you stood on that bank, you could see the ark in front of you, and you could see the water going back. And that's why God said, stay 900 meters, because he wanted the people to see his power and his glory. He wanted to see a river back up. But it's an amazing thing, he says this, he says, you to follow the ark, you have to follow my presence, you to follow my voice. In this season, you need to follow my voice, you need to hear what I'm saying and do it, because you've never been this way before. Friends, part of what God has for us in this next season, as a nation, as a country, as a city, and as a people, is that we've never been this way before. God is going to take us on new ways and new paths. He's going to bring new people, and He's going to take open new opportunities, and we're not going to know what to do, friends. All we can do is follow the ark, is follow His voice, and follow His presence. That's why in this season, the prophetic is absolutely crucial in your life. God is going to speak prophetically in this season, because we've never been this way before. It's a pioneering season. We've never been this way before. There's no well-worn path to get there. You've never been this way before. And he says this wonderful thing. He says this, watch it, look on it, keep hold of it, because you've never been this way before. New challenges. And in, verse, uh, chapter, in chapter 4, it says, when they saw this and the people hurried over. 
Friends, when the ark moves, we're to hurry over. Not dawdle over, saunter over, think about whether it's a good idea or not. When God moves, we've got to move. This season is a season of God accelerating processes and accelerating processes in our lives so that actually we need to be right behind them, right with them, and hurry over. Not be hurried and arrest, but hurry over. Deliberately, intentionally, God, we're going, let's go. It's a season of faith, friends. And that's why it's so key to be together. That's why it's so key to be praying together. It's so key to be in home groups and small groups because it's a season of faith and we need each other to make sure our faith is where it should be, friends. We're not perfect. We don't have perfect faith. We don't even have perfect friends, but you can have some sort of faith and a level of faith, growing, greater, seeding faith as we get together and we, and we get strengthened by each other, friends, in this season. The fourth thing that he says here, which I think is key in this text, he says, consecrate yourself. It's an incredible thing, friends. Consecrate yourself. In the Old Testament, consecrating things for God meant anointing them and setting them apart for use by God because they belong to God. And he says this, before you, before you cross over, consecrate yourself. Know this thing. You are God's possession. Consecrate yourself. Set yourself apart for God. Friends, going into this next season, holiness is a big deal. Stand yard, but what about grace? It's, it's grace and we covered over by Jesus and he washes away our sin. Yes, it is. But friends, the season that we're going into is a season of consecrated holiness before God. For what God has for us going into this next season and to this next time, friends, requires us to be a display of His glory and splendor. And that comes with a consecrating, a setting apart, being with Him, belonging to Him, understanding that what we do and how we do it and what we say and how we say it matters to the people in that land. Because we are the display of His splendor. And when they look at us, they're going to see Him. And if they look at us and they don't see Him, it's not good. Or we get, they look at us and they see us and they see a distortion of Him. Not good. This season, friends, requires us to put aside some of the things that we thought we could get away with in the past. It's a, it's, it's a, there's something of a holiness. There's something of an anointing. There's something of a, of a consecration and a setting ourselves apart for Him in this next season that is absolutely going to be powerful in the, in the months and the years ahead as we journey this process. We've got to leave behind, friends. You know, can I just be straight here? Some of us have got to leave behind friends. Because they're not helpful to your walk with God. Yeah, but Stan, who, who's going to reach them? Yeah, there is. God's, God is going to reach them, and you, God will use you to reach them. But there are seasons and there are times. And for some of you, you've got to, set, you've got to put aside the friendships that you have because they're not helpful for your, to your walk with God. Consecrate yourself. Love, continue to love, and allow God to take you to a season and allow God to reconnect you to, with those friends again in another season where actually you will be the influencer, not them. It's consecration, friends. God is a holy God, and there's a holiness that His people have got to, do, got to display under the power of His name and the power of His grace 
that I believe in this next season is profound, absolutely profound, because God wants to entrust us with some very precious cargo. God wants to entrust us with some riches of people's lives. God wants to entrust us with some riches of finances. God wants to entrust us with riches of influence. God wants to entrust us with riches of impact. But friends, the, the, the way in which that gets outworked will be, be, be dependent on the way that we are living. The way we live and the way we display to the world the way we live. The way we talk matters, friends. Not because of God and... No, it's because of actually what other people think. And there's a moment in God in this, in this, in this season where I believe God would say, consecrate yourself, Glenridge. Set yourself apart. Get with me. Let me allow, you, allow me to do some work in your heart so that you can be the display that I'm calling you to be and do the work that I'm calling you to be. Consecrate yourself. And then lastly, I want to highlight a point. He says this. He says, move out from your positions and follow the ark. If you want to see a verse for it, it is verse... Three, when the, you see the Ark of the Covenant, the Lord your God, and the priests you are Levites carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. You know, friends, this season is going to require some of us to be repositioned. We've got to move out from our positions. They moved from this city called Shittim. And they moved to this camping place before they crossed over. And they had to break camp from there. It says, move out from your positions and follow God. Friends, there's a, th this season requires us to be repositioned. And the position that God wants us is on the edge of the Jordan crossing over. He doesn't want us back camping. That's not the position at this season. This is not a settling season. This is a pioneering season. This is a repositioning season. And I feel specifically to this morning that God is, you know what a position is? You can be a position of fear. And so be so paralyzed by fear that you can't move out or you won't step out. We can be in a position of unforgiveness. Unforgiveness in this season, friends, is not going to help us go forward. In any season, but specifically in this season, we've got to move out of our position of unforgiveness. Friends, if we've got issues with people, and we're not, that when we see them, we're not free, we've got to deal with it in this season. Otherwise, we're going to be positioned on the wrong side of the Jordan. And God is saying, get out of your positions. Come out of your positions. Come out of the safety of the known territory of your, that position. And come into a, a, a place of pioneering and trust me for what I'm going to do with you. It's not a comfort position that we're in now. It's not a convenience position that we're in now. It is a position of faith and pressing into what God has for us and taking ground. God wants to reposition some of us. For some of us in this, one of the things I specifically felt that God wants to reposition in people. Some people have got an inferiority complex. An inferiority position. You don't think you're good enough. You don't think you're worthy enough. God wants to deal with inferiority. You don't think you're as good as other people. 
God wants, if you're in a position of inferiority, you're never going to boldly take on Jericho and the cities and, and conquer the lands that God has got for us, friends. We are not an inferior people because Jesus is a superior God. And He is the God that fills us. And so He doesn't make us arrogant. He just makes us confident and bold. And that's the season that we're in. How are you positioned this morning? How are you positioned? Maybe you're positioned in a place where you can't follow others. You know, friends, the Bible says this, unless you're under authority, you can't be a leader. If you position yourself never to submit to others and never to submit to leaders and never to follow others, you'll never cross over into what God has for you. Every single one of us have to have a submitted heart as we submit ourselves to one another and to what God's purpose is over us as a people and as individuals and in our marriages and in our homes. You see, where you're positioned is very important in this season. We're not meant to be in the camp. We're meant to be on the edge of the river crossing over into dry, with dry ground into what he has for us. How are you positioned this morning? Where are you positioned this morning? If you're hiding in a corner, friends, you're hiding in a corner, keeping to yourself, not getting involved, not participating, not contributing, what you're doing is you're positioning yourself and, and isolating yourself instead of allowing God to bring you into fullness. Because, friends, the way we walk into fullness is never just on our own. We can't just walk in on our own. God has designed it, friends, that we commune with Him and with each other, and we need each other to walk into what He has for us. It's incredible what He says. He says this. He says, consecrate yourselves, for I'm about to do amazing things among you. It's amazing. I would never have said that. I would have said, consecrate yourselves, because I'm going to show you something amazing. Or I'm going to do something amazing. But he doesn't. He says, I'm going to do something amazing among you. So this, this crossing of the Jordan, this miracle of backing up to Adam, the river backing up, actually it did something among them that couldn't have happened any other way. There's this among them faith. There's this among them uh, 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 context that they have, that they understand, that we need to understand, and we need to position ourselves among each other for us to walk into the season that God has for us, friends. How are you positioned? Where are you positioned? If you're struggling with inferiority, can we just stand for a moment? Please, if you wouldn't mind. Together. If you're struggling with inferiority, if you're struggling with inferiority, you think actually you're not good enough. I'd love you to just, where you are, in vulnerability, just raise, can we just all just close our eyes, please? If you're struggling with inferiority, just lift your hands right now. You don't think you're good enough. You don't think you're worthy. It's, a bad, it's, not the, it's not the right position. God doesn't want you there. If you're positioned in fear and anxiety right now, just also just raise your hands. Continue to press into this thing that God would deal with anxiety and fear. 
view position in unforgiveness, just continue to just keep your hands up. Put your hands up. Just say, God, actually, I've got to do some business with some people. And Father, I thank you right now that you see these hands raised. You see these hearts responding. I pray that you would give people the strength to forgive. Release the others that have hurt them. I pray right now that you'd reposition people, not in superiority and arrogance, Father, but in boldness and confidence, knowing who they are, whose they are, and what they're called to do, Lord. And I pray, Lord God, that you would strip inferiority off of us this morning. We are not an inferior people, Lord God. We're the people of God, confident that he fights on behalf of us. We have Jesus standing in the middle of the river and us passing over confidently and boldly into what he has for us. And I thank you, Jesus, that this morning you stripped that off of people. I pray right now, Lord God, that you, in this season of faith, would move people out of anxiety and fear, Lord. I just thank you, Lord God, that you are working amongst us, that you're with us, that you're going before us, that you're doing a work among us, Lord God. I pray, Lord God, that where people have positioned themselves and isolated themselves from community and from friends and from people, I pray, Lord God, that this morning you'd move hearts and change minds and pull people into the mix of what you're doing, Lord God. I pray that people, where people have positioned themselves in loneliness or being positioned in loneliness. Father, this morning, you'd help them make friends, Lord God. You'd step them into more of what you have for them, Lord God, out of loneliness, into friendship and into family, Lord God. For those of us that battle to make friends, Father, I pray that you do a supernatural work in our hearts, Lord. I pray even this morning, Lord God, those of us that are dabbling with the wrong friends, Lord, and going to places we shouldn't be and watching things we shouldn't watch. I pray that there'd be a consecrating moment, a holy moment, a, an anointing, Lord God, to set us free, Lord, that we can step into what you have for us, Lord. There's such promise over us, Lord God, as a nation, as a city, as a people, as a church, there's such promise awaiting us, Lord God. And we want to set ourselves up to walk into that, Lord. As you set these people to walk up into it, Lord. I thank you for your love, Lord. I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your greatness. I thank you for your kindness. I thank you for your power and anointing spirit to come upon us, Lord God. To put strength in our bones, Lord God. To be courage in our hearts, Lord God. Jesus, you have backed it all up to Adam, Lord. We're not called to be in dead waters, Lord God. 
We're called to be a living in the land of milk and honey, Lord. I thank you for that in your incredible, incredible name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.